With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to the Friday edition, 512 Friday edition of Ball Don't Lie. It's your boy, Harbaugh Harge. Our man, Rob Babers, is trying to shape the minds of the youth of America down at the All-American game. So it'll be me, my man, Patrick Davis, and we will have a special guest that will be here. Of course, we're going to talk a little bit more about Chris Beard and what's next for the Texas Longhorns. We're going to give you a DeMar Hamlin update. Good news, good news. Prayers have been answered. During the flex, we're going to talk a little b-ball and, of course, the All-American game. The Cowboys, the Commanders, the Titans, the Jags, the Green Bay Packers, and the Detroit Lions. Oh, yeah, we're going to talk about all of that in the Hard Knocks life. We've got a gentleman that will be on with us. He went on to be a local baseball coach here, but he had been playing for Coach Gus since he was in high school. That's right. I've had to go way back in the time machine to get this person, but he was somebody that I always had a tough time against, too, by the way. Uh, we're going to also talk about a scandal and off the record, USA soccer. What in the world is going on? Do we have to look out for all these crazy soccer moms and dads? I don't know. We're also going to talk about the national championship game. Also, we're going to talk about title game tickets. Are they getting out of hand? NFL playoff scenarios. And, of course, we got to preview the basketball game for the Texas Longhorns as they travel to Stillwater. But before we get into all of that, I want to introduce my man that is behind the scenes every single day. My man Rob Babers call him the hardest working man in the ARN family, and he always comes up with these great themes. And, of course, he's got my dog, Lou with him as all times. He's lose one of my biggest protectors, by the way, in case y'all didn't know. My man, Patrick Davis. You can follow him at It's Patrick Davis. What's going on, Pete? Hey, man, it's Friday, ready to kick it off. And yes, Lou, when, when Harge comes into the office, Lou goes into his office and protects him from anyone else coming in. That's right. Chad, Chad <laughs> always walks by and always looking at it. Lou, is it okay to talk to Mike? Is it okay <laughs> to talk to Harge? And uh, Lou lets him come on through. But yes, my man Lou is in the house. 
Uh, as we mentioned before, we want to get right into it. We're going to get into the Chris Beard situation. It's continuing to go on. And we're also going to talk about the Longhorns basketball team as they prepare for this weekend for the first time where it became official that Chris Beard will no longer be the coach at the University of Texas. But right now, I want to talk a little bit about DeMar Hamlin. There is so much news, and all of it is good news uh, when it concerns DeMar Hamlin. They said overnight the doctors were able to remove the breathing tube that he was on during that time. And they said that uh, he continues to progress remarkably in his recovery. His neurologic function remains intact. And that was one of the things that you and I were talking about yesterday, Patrick, before we left. And he's able to talk to his family and his care team. Not only was he able to talk to his family and his care team, he was also able to talk to his other family, the boys in the locker room, his coaching staff. And he was just letting them know that he loves them. He said, I love you, boys. And that is an amazing, amazing story. Yeah, man, to to go from Monday night where there was points where we didn't think he was going to make it through the night to now, I mean, just a few short days later to be already able to talk and, you know, be uh, the breathing tube removed, all that stuff, and, and seems to, from all reports, have really good neurological signs and, and doesn't seem to be able to, you know, he seems like he's coming back and he's going to be able to make – if a better recovery than a lot of us have projected. Exactly. So that that is just great news uh, and very cool to see. No doubt about it. And then we sat here and, and you know, I was looking at the NFL.com. If you want to find out more news, go to NFL.com. But they said they are absolutely elated this morning, emotional, that he's had no trouble breathing and he's been able to have conversations with everyone, especially the ones that he described as his brothers. They said, "Look, we, words cannot describe the um, uh, excuse me cannot describe the emotion as anything other than being elated at this time." It's so important to understand that this was a major part of the success as this team continues to move forward. It's a huge, huge story. It's big. And it means a lot because when you start looking at how he was able to come back from this situation, as bad as it looked, uh, I was talking to a buddy of mine that played in the NFL, and we were just talking about how the the it didn't you couldn't even look at it. They weren't even bringing it to yeah. the cameras to be out there. And we talked about it when it initially happened, where they were. Um, resuscitating him, but the emotions. They kept going back to the studio, which is something that never truly happens in an NFL game. I Very seldom have I ever seen them say, let's take it back to yeah, the, the studio. Yeah, the studio, that's a rain delay or something like that. Exactly. Where it's like, oh, we know how long it's going to be. But injuries, they don't do that. For they me. don't ever do that. No. And I heard this morning on B&E, they had Howard Griffin on with them. And Rod and I talked about this the other day where – when we were growing up, if somebody got hurt, they would just move you up 10 more feet, or 10 yards. Hey, well, let's move the play up. Let's go over here and start practicing over here. Not necessarily playing a game, yeah, yeah. but the whole thought that this could have happened on the on a playing field in front of a national audience. And I, I, I was thinking even more about what you said, Patrick, the other day about if this game was a regular 12 p.m. or 12 noon game, yeah. wasn't on the main stations, was being moved around from different areas, they would have cut away from it. They would have automatically gone to another uh, state or game during that time, and then we would have been trying to figure out, piece it all together, unless you had the NFL ticket during that time. Yeah, so you would only get updates, basically, and those probably would have cut to other games because it's just a national broadcast. 
and then you would have only had like Buffalo reporters and Cincinnati reporters to give it to you. So if you weren't following them, I don't think it would have had the impact it had and likely would not have canceled the game. No doubt. No doubt about it. And uh, with that being said, we're going to transition a little bit. And joining us today is someone that you've heard on these Austin Airwaves for quite some time. Um, He's my former co-host. He's actually the person that got me involved in radio. And you can find his work over at 24-7. You can follow him also on Twitter at ChipBrown247. That's right. My man, C. Breezy. What? Has made his way into the house. What? 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 What is Arch, going happy new on? Year. Happy New Year, my brother. How are you doing, Patrick? Happy New Year. Happy New Year. What is going on, my friend? I mean, you know, just Chris Beard getting fired. <laughs> Jordan Whittington coming back. That's a beautiful thing. Play some football. That's a beautiful, beautiful here thing. in 2023. I'm talking about a beautiful thing that uh, Jordan Whittington's coming back. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Not the not the other part of that story, uh, and we'll definitely get into that, but. Let's talk about it, man. Let's talk about how is your new year? We, ha- we, You and I talk all the time, but how is Chip Brown doing, man? We know the last time we talked to you, you got married. You got a son that is in college at Colorado State. Now you got your daughter, Max, that's just growing up in front of us. And I'm a little sad because every time I see her, I'm like, Max, you are growing up too fast. I know. I know. Someone today thought she was in college. Right. Um, she's a freshman in high school, but, uh, everything's good, man. I mean, it was, it was, uh, a good, healthy, happy, uh, new year. Yep. Yep. And so can't complain. Went down for the Alamo bowl. Start to go complain. Then the complaining started (laughs) and then it just graduated to, uh, yesterday. Yes. So speaking of yesterday, as most of you know, Chip has been, Around the University of Texas program for what almost thirty years yeah, now, thirty right? years, yeah. And as you know, someone who has obviously been connected to this this beautiful university, and you've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly, and you actually have a column that used to be called the good, the bad, yeah. and the ugly. But uh, when you look at what happened and the process and the way that we are now uh, having to regroup. As a university, um, it's a tough, tough day in Texas athletics, right? Man, it's really tough. I, I think about the the players and the assistants because, you know, everything's been in limbo until yesterday. Yep. And then they probably woke up today with some new realities sinking in right. that. Oh boy, if we don't have a deep run in March as a coaching staff, we're probably all looking for new jobs right. in April, and the players are like. Okay, I came here thinking I'm playing for a, a coach and Chris Beard who sold me on a, a Final Four national championship vision. Yep. And he's gone. And, you know, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if other programs are putting out feelers to Texas players, Texas recruits. It's just, you know, look, as fans, they're going to have the same expectation for this team because they're still number six. Correct. They're twelve and two. They look good. They got some some impressive wins over Gonzaga. Creighton's kind of falling off. Illinois is kind of falling yeah. off. But those are still good wins. And and yet we're going to hold them to this standard that was established under Beard. And Beard's not here. And it's not fair. But life isn't fair. Correct. But to you know for these guys, they didn't ask for this. And. You know, they're going to have to now get out of their comfort zone, push themselves beyond 
you know, the human default, which is just get by. And Rodney Terry and, and Bob Donawal, Chris Ogden, they're all going to have to try and push these guys. All of them knowing no. that they're outside the grid, that we're, off, we're in uncharted territory. I mean, can you think of a sitting head coach at the top of his game who you know, finds himself or herself in a domestic violence no. situation? Not, 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 there's been other reasons for coaches to get fired, but never a domestic violence situation that I was thinking about. Because I was riding around thinking about that today where it was like, who was the last person that was at, like you said, at the top of their game and then all of a sudden the house of cards start falling around them? And I can't think of one. I truly can't think. What? Was it Franchoni when he took the job or Mike Price when he took the job at Alabama? But it's not to this extent. Right. Patino and... Mike Price had uh, extra Baggage marital yes. dalliances, if right. you will. Um, this is, you know, you think about it, Chris Beard, the intensity and the passion right, right. that he has to get guys to play the kind of defense that, that his teams are known for, the discipline that he required of right. those players and of his assistant coaches, and he... You know, I, I don't know what happened on the night of December twelfth at his house. It, it, but the police sure got a an earful from right. Beard's fiance, and whatever was going on, it's just disappointing that Chris Beard didn't have the discipline to walk away, right, and just say it. I'm I'm out. You know, whatever was going on, I I'm taking a break. I'm out. Yeah, and and so now. These players, these assistants have to pick up the pieces, and they're, they're on their way to Oklahoma State right now. Um, and let's be honest, Harge, the numbers are slipping. Very the, much so. The defense, defensive numbers are not in a good place. Teams, yep. are, teams are shooting almost 50% the last six games, and K-State looked like the Harlem Globetrotters against the <laughs> Washington Generals. <laughs> well, the thing about that game, and, and Patrick and I were talking about it when, when we came back in, because Patrick sits front row. He gets the Oh, yeah, really I see good, Patrick down there. He's right. like right next to Jay Hartzell. <laughs> yeah, me and Jay hanging out. <laughs> exactly. He's right there. And he, we, I was texting him during the game, and I was like, I've never seen a team that could shoot the basketball and get any shot. Any shot that they wanted, they got. And not only that, they got the shot and they connected on the shot. Yeah, that's rare. Like you could get an open shot, but that don't mean you're gonna make them. Right. But it, they were making every everything. single shot, and it was layups or three pointers in the paints and dunks. In yeah, the paints and dunks. And they laid down a, br- a blueprint for beating Texas, right. which is the high ball screen, big time, and just back two high ball screens. Yeah, two high ball screens, yeah. and just pick a side to to backdoor it right. and see if you know because that's Texas wants to deny. They want to deny the ball. Well, it's hard to deny, it's hard to deny the ball at the top of the free throw line right. when guys are just, you know, being back able to shoot it. Yeah, to the back door. Yeah. So it's it's a it's a lot. It's a lot for so, these guys to, to digest. Even even you know though they've been without beard since December twelfth. Mm-hmm. Now there's finality. He ain't coming back. Right. And that that just you know kind of creates some more thoughts. That these guys have to block out and and drill down and focus and and really understand. Okay, I came back or I transferred here mm-hmm. or I signed here 
because I thought I was going to be, you know, in a, in a spot to try and play for a national championship. And now these co- I mean, the players almost have to coach themselves. Right. They have to come together and say, "Hey, we got to do this." Well, here, here here's my thought on that, and and I agree with you to an extent of them having to coach themselves. I think the biggest thing is Ronnie Terry was a head coach, Chris Ogden was a head coach, Donald Wall was a head coach, and here's the biggest thing for me. As a player, you have to bear down as an individual because you understand the principles of the basketball game. You're not going you can go somewhere at the end of the season. You're not going nowhere in the middle of the season. So you need to go out there and the biggest thing for you is you got to put something on tape. Either you're going to stay or you're going to go. But either way, you're going to have to put something on tape. And while you're putting it on tape, this is something for you too. Some of you, this is it. This is your last run. You've come back. You've done everything you needed to do. So your focus doesn't need to be individual stats. It needs to be W. So if you're going to be done with a basketball career, possibly because some of them may not get a chance to go play anywhere else. Some of them may go overseas and play, but it's not playing in the NBA. It's not playing here where people can see you. But the biggest thing for me is as a player, I'm looking at this and saying this is our opportunity because we're old enough. We're old. We got a bunch of senior guards that have played in the tournament. And that was been my biggest thing as far as coaching them up. Guys, you know the responsibilities, you know the intensity. And as for the coaches, Rodney Terry and all those ones that I mentioned before and all the way down the bench, the other part of it is I got to put something on my resume too. Right. So this is your opportunity to buckle down, get your get yourself in a place because just like we always tell the players they got to understand their roles and responsibilities, now Rodney Terry has to go into that locker room and tell those coaches and those players their roles and their responsibilities, and they have to handle it at that level. Right, and he's going to have to, you know, he's he may have been sympathetic to these players in the wake of everything that's happened uh, because there was shock and there was trauma, and are you kidding me? Is that the same Chris yeah. Beard that, you know, is doing the fireside chats with Matthew McConaughey right, and right. courting the students and, um, you know, trying to bring the UT basketball family together, honoring you know Leon Black and Jimmy Blacklock this year with yep. with with games and and now Ronnie Terry's got to kind of step out of who he is. Yeah. He's got to be the guy who's breathing fire. You know he right. may have been the good cop. He he definitely before. seems like he was the good cop. Right before. Yeah. now he's got to be the bad cop, or they got to figure it out. Yep. Is Ogden? You know, I mean Ogden's like the managing director. Not no more. So he, <laughs> someone's got to be right. the fire breather in For that sure. operation because they can't look at each other and go, hey, man, you tried your best. Right. It's, listen, I've seen you give more. I've seen you work harder on defense. We we have to adjust. We have to do this. You want to win? Here's how we're going to do it. Right. And that's, you know, it's just, it's life. But they didn't ask for this, but this is what they're getting. Yeah, it's a it's a very unfortunate situation. But to your point, we've we've been in situations that were unfortunate. You got a rebound. You've got and, and just life, like you said, this is this is more than just basketball. So now you have a time to regroup. You like you said at the very beginning, Chip, there's finality now. It's done. We know he's not walking back through that door at all. So now we have to move forward. And we have to focus as a basketball team. Yes, I, I, I think what we've seen in this basketball team, and we talk about this a lot, I think what we've seen in this basketball team is we've seen 
some of the leadership qualities. We've seen them be able to score. Remember last year, they were going through stretches where they weren't scoring any baskets. Right. And we were all like losing our mind. Now we know they can score. The biggest difference now is you need to get back on that defensive grind because that is how you win championships. And if you're truly going to be a championship team, especially playing in this Big 12 where the last two national champions have come from the Big 12, you have to put yourself in that position to win. And the only way you're going to be able to do that is playing really, really hard defense. You might have to sacrifice some of your scoring a little bit as, as individual players to really focus on we need to play better defense. Yeah, well, and I think that's what it comes down to. It's accountability on the defensive end. Exactly. It's everyone doing their jobs. And I think when you have now the finality of Chris Beer being gone, you can now put the accountability back on more people. Like, if, you're, if your parents are out of town, then, yeah, you don't have the accountability. You don't care if yep. you spend a bunch of – you don't care about any of that. There's no account, your parents are just out of town. They're coming House back. House party. Hey, they're paying the rent. <laughs> You've been they're coming there. back. But you know the deal is – when when they're now when you have your own place and man you don't pay rent you're evicted and if you yep. don't clean it just doesn't get cleaned yep that accountability that's where you're at now you're on your own now there is no Chris Beard ain't on vacation yep. he is gone yep. yeah so you got to be on yourself and so now it comes to hey man these seniors you can't transfer you ain't going nowhere yep you're gone after this year you might as well put all of it into it and be accountable and if you're accountable Tyrese Hunter will be accountable if you're accountable the Arturo Morris will be accountable yep. and if you can do that. Y'all win ball games. I mean, this leadership is about to get thrown in the fire. It's <laughs> yeah. in the fire. It's it in the is. fire. So, I mean, because here's the deal: the guys that you worry about are the freshmen. Yeah. Because they haven't been through a full season with Chris Beard breathing fire on them and getting after them in practice. Yeah. And you know, players, it, it's tough, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, the demanding coaches, the, I mean, Rick Barnes and. And uh, Bill Self, you know, Mike Krzyzewski, listen, yeah. you sit behind their bench, you, you got to put earmuffs on the, on <laughs> yeah. the little ones because they're, they're breathing fire into these guys to get them to get out of their comfort zone. And now the, the coaches have to do it. The veteran players have to do it because players listen to players. Yep. When your players are coaching the other players, policing the other players, that's when the magic happens. Dylan Mitchell's never been asked to play the kind of defense that Chris Beard, you know, was going to ask him to play or asked him for the first yeah, eight, for, eight yeah. games of the season. Right. And same with Arterio Morris. And are they going to get to that level? And that's, it, again, it's, it's a whole new set of circumstances, a whole new set of realities kind of coming in. And we'll watch the game tomorrow at 11 a.m. at Oklahoma State and see if that defensive message got through this week because Rodney Terry looked – like he was in agony after right. that K State game. Like, right. good God, K State just set a school record for points in a game, not not overtime. No, forty minutes. I mean, forty, 40 minutes. minutes. <laughs> yeah, one sixteen, and yeah. that uh, that'll shake you. Well, and then I was talking about it too. Is like you know, as bad as the defensive end, the offense was good too. Texas shot yeah. the ball well, and they've been shooting the ball well. And you Tyrese can, Hunter found his shot again. Thank goodness, because we were really worried about that. It was like, what is going on here? Maybe that was the maybe that was the other part of it. Maybe he was working so hard on the defensive end, dealing with his cramps, dealing with everything that he had going on, that he wasn't really focusing on his shot. Well, during this last game, they were looking for him, kind of like they did for Marcus Carr that game, where they were like, "Uh uh-oh, he's got it going. Let's continue to feed him, continue to feed him. The biggest question for me is, 
away away from the off the field stuff, what are we going to get out of Dylan DeSue? I think, you know, this is a guy that led the SEC in rebounding. He's been dealing with the injury. I get that. But is he going – because Texas' biggest problem, we just talked about the points in the paint, the back doors, and everything that was happening. How are they going to – they don't have a rim protector. No, it, it's the Dillons. It's the two Dillons. Dylan yep. Mitchell and nope, Dylan nope, DeSue nope, nope. are the two guys that if those guys can step up and Rodney Terry can make adjustments now that he may have not been making because he didn't want to mess with Chris Beard's defense, if he can make those adjustments and go, hey, man – we need you guys to be strong rim protectors. And you both can jump. You both got great hand control. Yep. And Dylan DeSue's gotten way better of not picking up fouls on that. He still picks up some dumb ones, but they're usually of him poking a guy that's yeah, 45 feet away from the yeah, basket exactly. more than around the basket. If he if you can get those two Dylans to become rim protectors, it changes the dynamic of this defense wholeheartedly. Well, yeah. And the answer to high ball screens is zone defense, which is yeah. something that Chris Beard could not stand. But listen, Christian Bishop, you know, he left that K-State game 10 minutes left in the first half after he took that fall on his Never back. Never came back. And if, if you're going to have to play with that kind of small lineup, you're going to have to play some junk defense yeah. to mix it up. And so we'll see. We'll see how they adjust. Well, the thing that you mentioned is that's what Chris Beard didn't like. Chris Beard's no longer right. the coach. There needs to be some adjustments, and especially if a team is shooting like that, you might need to create a zone defense where you can start getting in there and being able to follow the ball because it looked like a lot of times, too, this past week, there's been a lot of ball watching. That's one of the things that's been really driving me nuts, especially on the offensive end, but last week it looked like the defensive end of the ball, too. There was a lot of ball watching, which is why they got the backdoor cuts and they were able to get a bunch of those layups. There's so much to uncover and moving forward with this basketball team. We're going to continue to dive into it. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about the Texas Longhorns, but this time on the football field because – there was some news out of the 40 acres. A couple players said that one was saying that he was leaving and one said that he was coming back. I want to get Chip's thoughts and my man Patrick Davis. All that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie on 104.9 The Horn. Five one two edition of uh, Ball Don't Lie. Five one two Friday edition of Ball Don't Lie, where my man Patrick Davis finds local artists and play their music and let you know where you can go and hang out and listen to some live music. It's the live music capital of the world. Patrick, who is this and where can we see him? This is Sam Pace and the Gilded Grit. This is their brand new single, The Lights, and they are playing their single release party tonight at Saxon Pub. Ooh, Saxon Pub. I know everybody knows where the famous Saxon Pub is. Sitting in for my man Rob Babers, who is at the All-American Game in San Antonio, Texas. He's down there shaping the minds of these young defensive backs and coaching them up. And he gets a a bird's eye view and a hands-on view of these players and what they're going to be looking at. He's working with the underclassmen today, and he's going to be working with the upperclassmen as well, the participants that will be in this game. Sitting in for him is my man Chip Brown. C. Breezy, you can follow him at 
uh, Chip Brown 247. And we also love it when you're part of the show. You can hit us up on the Specs text line 512-337-3776. And some news came out of the 40 Acres today. Make sure you get over to Horns 24-7 and you can find out a little bit more. But some news came out on the 40 Acres today that Jordan Whittington, Jordan Whittington, one of my favorite players in Chip, when he first came to the 40 Acres, you and I were still doing the show together, and I told you I thought he was going to be one of the best players. The problem was he wasn't able to stay healthy. That was a big, big disappointment for him being healthy. Well, last year he was healthy, and I still felt like he was being underutilized. He played in all 13 games last year, got 50 receptions, 652 yards receiving, but I think that uh, he was a little bit more because everybody was talking about his blocking, but I was like, this dude deserves a little bit more, a little bit more targets. Uh, what are your thoughts of my man Jordan Whittington coming back to the 40 Acres? Well, I think it's big because he's a guy who commands the room yep. from a leadership standpoint. Um, and, you know, they, you play with a young quarterback – and you play with a coach who loves the deep ball, and you got a receiver with four three speed like Xavier Worthy. It's easy to get seduced. I agree with you. I think Jordan Whittington. I mean, if you go back to the twenty twenty one season, he was Mister Third Down the first five games of the year before he suffered that broken collarbone against Oklahoma. Yes, he. I mean, he was Mister Third Down. I mean, Casey Thompson looked for him every chance he got on crossing routes. And I asked Steve Sarkeesian about that this year when it seemed like, especially after the Oklahoma State game, when it seemed like uh, it was just one deep ball after another and, and missing. Yeah. Oh, man. What, 17 targets and four catches yeah. for worthy that game. <laughs> Why not? Look for those crossing routes with Jordan Winnington, who does everything you ask him to do. Right. Blocking, special teams, and uh, and catches the ball. Catches the ball. Catches I know he had ball. a drop the other day, but, you know, that, that that's one of the things, too. It's like there's been drops all over the place. Why not go back to a guy that Mr. Reliable, Mr. Third Down, your guy that can keep the chains moving, draw it up. Now, maybe he the plays were drawn up for him, and Quinn, yours had only have eyes for you, <laughs> number one, number eight at the time. Maybe that was the problem, but I'm with you. Why was it that we couldn't find a way to get Jordan Whittington more involved? Because of what you said. He commands the room. He comm- Every time he touches the ball, it looks like he's going to break three, four, five tackles. Right. And he has that ability to take it to the house. We just didn't seem to to figure out a way to keep him involved with this team. Yeah, and I I just think you've got, when you've got a young quarterback, like when yours, and he's young, I don't, Mm -hmm. he's not a normal redshirt freshman. He was basically a true freshman this year. And even Steve Sarkeesian has said he's not always excited about playing a first year quarterback uh, because. You're you're drinking out of a fire hose. Yep. You're trying to learn the offense, all the nuances of his offense, all the motions, all the protections, and now you bring back a guy with some familiarity, with a, a guy who can talk to Xavier Worthy and the rest of that room. Yep, you're going to bring Isaiah Nayer back. Nayer is a grinder too, and and I think a a talent who can Ooh, really yeah. help this team for sure. Next year, and I'm hearing he's moving well. That his ACL surgery recovery. I saw some video of him working out the other day, and he looked like he was getting a lot of his explosiveness back. Yeah, 
and he's six three and yeah. long and fast and big catch radius. So it's and and you need a guy. You're bringing in John Tay Cook, who is whew, electric. Yep. You're bringing in DeAndre Moore, who's maybe the most confident. Uh, sounding player in this uh, 2023 class. He's a California kid with a lot of chatter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then you know Ryan Niblett and and Trey Wisner. You need veteran voices. Yeah. You know I look at that quarterback room and without Hudson Card in there and Hudson Card is kind of a soft spoken guy, but Quinn's a soft spoken guy. Now Quinn is the like the sage guy in that room right you know it's him and malik murphy and arch manning and charles wright yeah and that's tough that is a tough tough look yeah i mean and when you go to the running back room there's not a lot of age in there either so to have a veteran wide receiver at least somebody in that that huddle yeah, that could be a little veteran o-line's young like jordan winton's gonna be the oldest man on that field I'll yeah. tell you what, Jake Majors is an underrated leader I on that offense. That. Yeah. So he's he's a guy and Calvin Banks is a freak. Oh no, they're they're amazing. I'm but, just saying. But they're, even they're from younger. a leadership standpoint, yeah. Calvin Banks. Like Whittington told a story about Calvin Banks. Like Whittington dropped a pass in two minute drill, you know, in fall camp and he sees Big seventy-eight running. Tw- it's okay, man. It's okay. It's okay. Let's get him next time. Let's cut. Let's come on. That's Michael Orr. Yeah, and Whittington's like blind side. Look at this guy. Yeah, big fella. Yeah, like telling me it's going to be all right. I, I'm I'm down with this guy. And then you have a story of when Bijan was trying to mess with oh, him yeah. in the weight room, and he was like, "Come on, man, I'm trying to get my work in, bro." Yeah, Bijan was like, you know, tough, kind of tough guy in it with him. Yeah. Like, hey, Kevin, we're going to get this work on. And Kevin's like. Are you watching me? <laughs> like I'm working my ass off over here. You know, what's, what's up with you? Yeah. yeah. And Bijan was like, "Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. All yeah. Right. Carry on. Carry, Carry on. on. Yeah. Carry on." And that's that's the thing too. To your point, Patrick, about the leadership in the huddle, you're gonna have to go there. But we did see some fire and some fight in Quinn at, at the Alamo Bowl. Yeah. He was getting upset. He was, he was trying to get fired up, and he was trying to get people more engaged in what's going on because he too was thinking. We got to win this game. And I wanted to ask you this because we had this debate on where where Texas is. And uh, me and Rod, Rod and I were talking about how are you trying to finish the season or are you trying to build for next year? And me personally, I thought you should finish the season, but finish the season strong, building for next year. They look like some of the guys were just going through the motion, not necessarily going through the motion because I don't want to disrespect them like that, but they weren't finishing. And they had an opportunity to finish the season with nine wins, but we're finishing the season with eight. And then we got back to that five loss mark again. And to me, it looked like Washington was playing for 23. They wanted to put people on notice for 23 that we are going to be coming and we're going to be coming at you every single week because we have that explosiveness on this field. So to me, or to you, what did you take from the Alamo Bowl? I, I was disappointed that they didn't try to establish the run with Agreed. Jonathan Brooks. Yes. Like, I get Keelan Robinson getting the start. He's the veteran guy. He does everything you ask. And he had a good game. He had more receiving yards than he had rushing yards. Which is who he is. Which is who he is. But you're, you're between the tackles guys, Jonathan Brooks. And we've seen over and over again, especially this season, with a young quarterback, 
when you got away from the run, it didn't end well. It did not. And when you attempted 34 passes or more, you lost every game. So I get that B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson weren't there, but your offensive line, who powered those two to victory in games against Kansas, Baylor, K-State, give them a chance. Yeah. Give him a chance. Let's see what what Jonathan Brooks can do. He got eight touches, which is which is not enough, and he scored twice. Like, yeah, that's twenty five percent exactly. Let's get him some more touches. Yeah. Well, and the thing too, we found out that he ended up having a sports sports yeah, hernia yeah. during that time too. So maybe yeah. that was the underlying right. situation to where he was like, all right, we're going to play him because he said he feels good. But we know right after this game, he's going to have to go underneath the knife. So maybe I will give some yeah. leeway on that. And maybe that was something that was happening prior to that. But I, I'm with you because I thought, obviously, you can't replace Bijan and Rojo for what they meant to this team. And we've talked about it. Rod's motto for 2022 was put some Bijan on it. Because when everything was going wrong, put some Bijan on it. When they lost to to um, TCU, they didn't put enough Bijan on it. They oh, abandoned first everything. First and goal from the two, first and goal from the five. He doesn't get a touch. It doesn't get a touch because you're trying to be trickery because you felt like TCU was was stopping you. That might have been true, but it only takes one big play, which we saw with Keandre Miller, who they stayed with the run. He got the pop, and he took it to the house, and that was the difference in the game. But you have the best, one of the best players in college football in the backfield, and you had a lot of missed opportunities. So, well, and I'll, I'll say this about Garrett Riley, the offensive coordinator at TCU. I thought that was his one of his biggest strengths this year. There were times when, and Sonny Dykes even said this, like against Oklahoma State when they were down 24-7, Sonny was like, hey, don't you think we need to throw it a little more? And Garrett's like, nope, we're good. Yep. And they stayed with the running game, stayed with it, stayed with it, ground it back and Ended up winning that game. Yeah. And Garrett Riley was stubborn about the run, more so than Sarkeesian. Mm-hmm. And I think with a back, two backs, like Bijan Robinson, Roshan Johnson, to get what you're saying at, you know, Harge, I mean, uh, there's a there's something to be said for that because right. you got to, I mean, Sarkeesian loves to run the ball, don't get me wrong. Um, but he thought he could throw it and yeah. beat Washington, and Washington was going to throw it. No matter they, what. They throw That's to who set they up, are. Right. They throw <laughs> yes. to set up the run. And I thought their game plan was fantastic. Right. And the Texas defense was playing without DeMarvin Overshown. The 42-yard touchdown run goes right where, where his gap would be. Where his gap would yeah. have been. And, and that's, that's life. Yep. But, um, yeah, I, I, the special teams, everything was off. Correct. Everything was off. You yeah. know, you give up your first block punt of the year. You, which is crazy. You know, defensively, you, you can't get off the field. Yep. Yeah, Jalen Ford miss a tackle on third and six. It just was, you know, it's just was. It was kind of like the TCU game where Very everything so. was like, wait, Jatavian Sanders just dropped a pass. Like Jordan Whittington dropped Jordan a pass. Jordan Whittington dropped a pass. <laughs> yeah, and that ball was low and away on third and three. But it, you know, that's a catch he's made. Catch radius, like we it's were talking a, about. Catch he's made. Yeah, and. And that was the frustrating part for Ewers. He completed 70% of his passes in the first half, but he missed the fourth and one pass badly. Yep, badly way yep. behind Xavier Worthy because he in rushed the, the ground. Yeah. And, and he had time to set his feet. Which is a big thing that he has to work on this offseason. Right. His footwork. Right. And yep. then the third and three 
Whittington was wide open. He throws it low and away. Yep. Whittington has to kind of cross hand it, you know, and he couldn't hang on. And though, you know, that was fourth and one at the Washington 37. Right. And third and three from midfield. And those are probably the two biggest conversions needed in the first half because, you know, they end up scoring on the Jonathan Brooks touchdown to start the second half. It's 13 10. Right. It, you're there. It's fine. It's great. But then them drop passes too. Then the down drop pass. Yeah, the big drop big passes. Drop. It's like back oh my to God, back. Here we go. And that that's tough for Quinn Ewers because Quinn yep. Ewers, who everyone's like, ah, man, yep. he yep. can't connect with Worthy, and then all of a sudden he puts it right there, and then it's like, uh, and it's like what? Yeah, and that's Come when on. he got upset. That's when he started to you know show a little bit of fire and emotion, which we've been waiting on, and we understand you don't have to go out there and be yelling the whole time and rah rah rah. But it was good to see that he was getting frustrated with the receiving core because he knows that that's been the biggest question mark for him, his accuracy, yeah. you know, especially on the deep ball. But he can't, put, he can't catch it for you. He put it right there where you should have caught right. it, and it wouldn't have got any better than that. Man, we're going to continue this conversation, but when we come up next, we're going to talk a little bit about the Flex. Go to FlexATX.com. There's basketball that's going on and, of course, the All-American game in San Antonio. We'll continue the discussion right here on Ball Don't Lie on 104.9 The Horn. Welcome back to the 512 Friday edition of Ball Don't Lie. My man Patrick Davis lets you hear local artists and lets you know where they're going to be uh, playing this weekend. Patrick, who you got? This is Scott Collins, and he is playing uh, tonight at Hole in the Wall. Hole in the Wall. I actually know where that is. Hey, is that on the campus. One oh, yeah, man, I, I spent say. a Christmas... I spent a Christmas Eve at Hole in the Wall back, back in the back early in the 90s. Hey, I don't think it's been clean since. Uh, love that joint, man. A little karaoke. That voice that you hear right there is my man Chip Brown. Our man Rob Babers is in San Antonio working with the youth as they get ready to play in the All-American game. They have players from all over the country, but there's also a lot of local flavor uh, that is participating down there. They have the National Combine of players and the underclassmen, and then, of course, the guys that are going to be participating in that game. There will be some announcements tomorrow uh, to where some of these players are going to finish out their college, well, where they're going to go and play college football. I know is Rod Texas, coaching down there? Rod is coaching nice. down there. Uh, our man Anthony Williams yep. called him and got him down there. Aaron Williams is there. Sir Rod Par- uh, Parker. Sir Rod uh, Walker is down there. Fozzie Whitaker is down there. Chet Brooks is there as well. There's a bunch of uh, former Longhorns and, of course, Aggies and some Texas Tech. Jamal Finner from LBJ is down there coaching. Coach Wood from Westwood. Anthony Williams brought a lot of people from this community and, of course, across the country to get a lot of those guys down there. Uh, Austin Novosad is down there. He'll be playing in the game as well. Anthony Hill, Texas Commit, will be there. Uh, Ryan, what is it, Niblet, the wide receiver, He's going to be. He's playing in the game as well. There's a lot of players that are coming to the university. The one question that I do want to ask before we get finish up on uh, the flex. Matter of fact, let me do this part. Uh, there's basketball tonight. Big, big, big games. Uh, obviously, district play is going on. Westwood versus Vista Ridge. That'll be a Vista Ridge. Uh, Conley and Cedar Creek. That said, uh, 
Cedar Creek, Stony Point Cedar Ridge at the Raiders gym, Georgetown Elgin in, in Elgin. Chad, there's a game out there. Might want to go check it out. Uh, Glenn in Cedar Park. And, of course, I'll be at the Pflugerville and the Hendrickson game at Pflugerville checking out those schools. McNeil versus Vandergriff, Maynard versus Round Rock, Lehman versus uh, Leander. Lockhart versus Liberty Hill, Anderson versus Dripping Springs. So there's a lot of good basketball that will be going on. But the biggest game will be Westlake and Buta Johnson. I believe our man Snoop Daniel, Snoop Snoop, will be heading down there to cover that game as it will be at Buta Johnson in the Jaguars gym. Uh, You're not coaching any AAU basketball anymore, are you? Not yet. Next year. Didn't you have Royce McNeil? I have Royce Royce O'Neal. Uh, Royce O'Neal. I had Dion Mitchell. I had uh, Alex Caruso. I mean, I've had <laughs> I had a lot of players in AAU basketball. Mike's Mike's thirty. I go hard, just thirty. But I got another one that's coming through right now, and my boy DJ. And so that's why we're we're going to these basketball games okay. a lot more now. Right. So we'll be involved. I'll be back involved again. Okay. And uh, right now he's playing for Jermaine O'Neal, uh, Drive Nation. So. We've been DJ traveling. Is? Yeah, DJ's been playing for them. Let's so. go. Yeah, we got a lot going on. We got a lot going on. Jermaine O'Neal. Yeah. Let me ask you this, Chip, because, you know, there's there's a lot that is going on with this Texas football team as well, and we'll continue that conversation. But when you're looking at the Texas recruiting class, I know that's not your area. That's Mike Roach and uh, Hunter. Well, it is now because there 16 of them are showing up on campus That's right. next that's right. week. As a matter of fact, that's what I was about to ask you. Uh, obviously, Arch Manning 15, is sorry. here. Arch Manning is he checked He's in here. yesterday. My biggest question, and I've seen a lot of people bringing this up: Why is he not playing in any of these All Star games? Arch, yes, man. He's about getting to the uh, getting down to business and getting coached by his coach. Right. You know, he, he people can say whatever they want. You know that he he didn't do the. Normal, certain. Neither, neither did Venus and Serena Williams, and they did okay. You know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? It's yeah. like when you got when it, you, you got, got Peyton it. and Eli and Archie advising you. Yeah, who's better coaches? And what what do you really get? Right. Some kids need it. Right. Want Agreed. it? They want the spotlight. Arch Manning's been in the spotlight from day one. Yeah. And so I, I'm. I look at him and just say, "Hey, do you? Yeah. You know." Yeah, because the bottom line is he's he's on campus right now. He's already here. Yep, and he's ready to roll. And he's been ready for two weeks. If you listen to his interview the other day, yeah, oh, I've been packed for two weeks. That's why and, I'm wearing casual clothes. Right Sed Baxter is <laughs> yep. talking about how Arch Manning's texting the recruiting class, saying, "What are you doing today to get better?" Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Let's go. That's some leadership right That's there. That's some leadership right, right yeah, there. Yeah. So no matter how young, right? Right. No matter how young. I mean, it's just to that recruiting class. He's not trying to come in and lead the <laughs> the whole team, but still. But yeah. That's what you need. That's who we are, right? That's, That's who we are. We're hey. part of this recruiting class. Chris Sims did it with their recruiting class and, and Corey Redding and all those guys that came in. It means a lot when you're hearing it from the guy who is the number one guy. That's right. right. VY, baby. Yep. And that's what you, you need. You want to beat Ohio State. Meet Gotta me get here, here get some work every in, night, right? I seven o'clock. <laughs> and if you're late, you know you're gonna have to pay the piper on that. Oh yeah, I love it. You're gonna have to fight me. I love it. When we come back, we're gonna continue some more of this conversation. We're also gonna talk about the Cowboys. By the way, my man Chip Brown used to cover the Cowboys, and he's got some great Jerry Jones stories. I need to ask him what he's thought about this uh, year. But that. of course.
back. We're going Super Bowl. But of course, you know I got to ask you about your Detroit Lions and Dan Campbell. Oh. They got a chance. So you're saying there's a chance. You believe it? All that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie on 104.9 The Horn.